we are going to read our scriptures for today, which are uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Uh, They can be found in the insert in your bulletin. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have gotten themselves up, uh, gotten themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, uh, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in spite of your minds, and to put on a new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Our Heavenly Father, we, we do confess that we are a people who cry out to Jesus for mercy, and we thank you that you are a God who has answered our cries for mercy. So we also not only cry out for mercy, but we cry out with thanksgiving, Thankful that you have interceded for us. Thankful that you have provided for us all that we need. And at this time, we ask that you would take these gifts, these tithes and these offerings. That you would take from what you have first given to us. And that you would use these gifts to advance your kingdom upon this earth. In order that the glorious wonderful good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ would be carried to all the nations. Father, we ask that you would do this for your glory in this world. And as we come before your word this morning, we pray that you would allow us to see your glory. Allow us this morning as we spend time in your word to see your mercy again with new eyes, that we would be renewed That we would be made whole. That the gospel that is so dear to us would be lived out in all of life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we had been uh, going through together uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians uh, for some time. And then we took a break from that uh, to talk about shape of ministry in the church, um, and it's really because this great letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, it is a book where he is expounding upon the mystery 
of the go- <coughs> of the gospel and of the church. And so we took a break from it, but we're back now in Ephesians, picking off, picking up where we left off in Ephesians chapter four, uh, chapter seventeen, uh, or chapter <laughs> chapter four, verse seventeen through thirty-two. Um, the last two chapters of C.S. Lewis' book, uh, his famous book, Mere Christianity, are entitled Nice People or New Men, and then the last one entitled The New Men. And he has some very interesting things to say in those chapters. And one thing that he says near the beginning of those chapters is basically that we should expect, and the world is right, to expect that Christians should be different, should live differently, should act differently. He writes, the world is right to judge Christianity by its results. In other words, Christianity means nothing if it doesn't produce results. The world is right to look for and expect that the gospel produces real change if it's true. But as you keep reading through those chapters, you're going to see how Lewis kind of turns things on his readers just slightly. Um, he he I include, included a portion of this quote on the front of your bulletin, but he writes, For mere improvement is not redemption. The redemption always improves people, even here and now, and will, in the end, improve them to a degree we cannot yet imagine. Now listen to what he says. God became man. To turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. And then he goes on with a little illustration. It is not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. Of course, once it has got its wings, it will soar over fences, which could never have been jumped and thus beat the natural horse at its own game. And here's what Lewis is saying. And what I want to say to you this morning, that is right to expect the gospel to produce change in your life and in mine. But you are completely wrong if you think that the change that the gospel produces is simply better, nicer, fitter, more improved men and women. Lewis is saying and Paul is saying in this passage that the gospel brings about a total change. Christianity is about becoming a new person, getting a new self, becoming a whole new person, a new creation. Jesus did not come into this world just to make you nicer or better. He came into this world to make you new. And listen, that is that is the wonder that is so easily forgotten by many of us. And and so here it is. I want and I hope and I pray That your wonder this morning would be recaptured by this reality. And that having recaptured this wonder, that it would spill out. And that it would affect every area of your life. So here's where I want to take you with this passage this morning. I want you to see that to fully realize and live out what it means to be made new. A new creation. You must remember. You must rethink. And you must renew. Okay, so first, to fully live out what it means to be a new creation, you must remember. See, in verses 17 through 24, Paul is forcing his readers, these Gentile Christians, he is forcing them to remember. 
And what he wants them to remember is who they are, who they are. All the scholars recognize that the key verses in this passage really are verse 22 and verse 24, where Paul says, you were taught to put off your old self and to put on the new self, right? And it's important that you realize that Paul isn't telling, he is not telling his readers in these verses to do something, okay? He is referring in these verses to something that has already been done. It, it can be easy to miss it in the English, but this is all in the past tense. In the Greek, it's the aorist uh, verb tense. Paul is talking about a finished, accomplished, completed action. Remember who you are. Right now, you are a new creation because the old self has been put off and the new self has been put on. And so you see in verses 17 through uh 19, really, Paul is reminding his readers of the utter emptiness of the old self that is corrupt through its through deceitful desires, as he says later in verse 22, I think it is. He says in verse 17 to these Ephesian Gentile Christians, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility or emptiness of their minds. And then you get this. This really this downward spiraling description of a hardness that leads to darkness, that leads to death, you know, right? That leads to a life that is given over and reckless. You know, it is in our, it's in our DNA as human beings to hunger and thirst for fullness, for wholeness, for meaning, for satisfaction, for fulfillment. But the old self, your old self, it tried to satisfy that hunger with anything and everything but God. I, I mean, in sex or in relationships, in money or in prestige, in power or in, or in influence, in, in approval or accomplishment. And he's saying, do you remember the emptiness of it all? Paul is saying, this is perhaps a dangerous thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. If your sin and my sin had a virtue, this would be it. That it, its virtue is that it's futile. That it, it always leaves you empty. Right? It hardens, it darkens, and it always leaves you grasping for more. A lust for more. Right? One more dollar, one more rung up the ladder, one more lustful hook, one more accomplishment. Right? The, the, gaping, the gaping emptiness in the middle of your life that you tried over and over again to fulfill and to fill, it, you could never accomplish it. It's the empty downward spiral of the old self that Paul is describing. But listen, then you get to verse 20. Right? And he says, but that is not how you learned Christ. See, it, then you encounter Jesus, he's reminding them. Then you heard Jesus and you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. He wants them to remember to remember that when they met Jesus, they found their deepest hunger satisfied. Right. How in him, their deepest hopes for significance, for a life of meaning, for fulfillment, for wholeness. They were all that that hunger was met and satisfied in Jesus. Paul, see, Paul in this passage, he's quite simply taking the Ephesians on a tour of their conversion. 
When they met Jesus, they shed the old self. They put it off. They found freedom to walk away from the downward spiraling dynamic that was at work in their lives. They got a new self when they came to Jesus. What is that that Paul is talking about? Because Paul didn't say all this stuff about how you used to be. And then you adopted a new code of ethics. He doesn't say, and then you tried to be better. Right? It's, it's not about improved behavior, about making men nicer. He is saying when you met Jesus, you got a whole new self, a whole new identity. Do you remember that? Do you realize that? You are alienated from the life of God. But then you met Jesus. And you came to life. A whole new self. I shared with you several weeks ago how... Um, how painfully sad it was for me the last time that I took my family home to Baton Rouge and we were with my grandfather who now has dementia fully set in and his memory is eroding faster and faster, right? In the span of about the three days that we were there, he had to have asked me at least a hundred times who I was. He had no idea. I mean, and it, but his days were spent with nothing but asking endless questions and asking the same questions over and over and over again. Who are you? What day is it? You know, do I live here? Um, How old am I? He asked me several times, do I have a wife? I mean, with his memory gone, the countless questions were really his grasping for his bearings, right? Something to latch onto. Who am I? Where am I? He's looking for something, anything to break the disorientation, to ground him and to settle his identity. So sad. To fully live out what it means to be a new creation, it starts here with remembering, with getting your bearings, with settling your identity. Paul wants you to remember who you are in Jesus. You aren't an old self trying to simply learn new tricks. Remember the emptiness of the old self. When you met Jesus, you got a new self, a new identity. And I'm telling you, if that reality is distant for you, I mean, if it's forgotten in your life, you are going to be grasping. You won't be able to live out what it means to be a new creation. You have to force yourself to remember Like my grandfather's dementia, a spiritual amnesia, when it sets in, it leaves you disoriented. It leaves you powerless. It leaves you confused in this life. I wish I could say more about that. But second, let's move on. Not only must you remember, but you also must rethink. I'm really focusing in here on verse 23, where Paul writes, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, which is sandwiched right right in the middle of Paul, reminding them that they have put off this old self and put on the new self. Okay, but let me set up a little bit what I'm going to say about this point. Christianity, you know, it is so very, very different from religion. I mean, at its core, every major world religion thinks basically along the same trajectory. And it's because every major religion follows the contours of the old self, the old heart. And this is the basic trajectory of religion and of our hearts. It's this. 
If you do, then you will be. Right? If you obey, then you will be accepted. If you perform, then you will be loved. If you get enlightened, then you will be free. Right? If you're sincere enough, then you'll be approved. If you do, then you will be. In religion, this is key here, doing always precedes being. Doing precedes being. And Paul is showing you that Jesus turned that completely upside down. Do you see in this passage how Paul, he won't let you think about the stuff that you naturally want to think about first. Behavior, doing, practice, ethics, the stuff that makes up verses 25 through 32. He won't let you go there until you've taken a bath in verses 17 through 24. You see that he is working against the natural contours of your heart. He's working against the impulse of your heart, which says, if I do this, I'll become free, I'll become loved, I'll be accepted or approved or whatever it is. Look, Paul shows you in this passage how Jesus turns religion upside down with one word. And that word is therefore in verse 25. I mean, you think, Paul is saying in Christianity, the trajectory is totally different. It's not if you do, then you will be in Christianity. It is you are loved. You are accepted. You are counted as righteous in Jesus. You are approved. You are free. You are a new creation. Therefore. And that changes everything. Everything. In Christianity, being always precedes doing. And that makes all the difference in the world. But what does all that have to do with this little verse 23 and this point you must rethink? It's, It's really a tricky little verse to translate. For starters, Paul writes the spirit of your mind, right? But it's not really the intellect that Paul is thinking about here. It's something bigger and more fundamental than that, something more like the heart. An author who's written on this, an author that I have come to love because his name is Klein Snodgrass, which just... It's got to be made up. Um, But anyway, this guy, he writes that Paul is talking about here in the spirit of the mind. He's talking about the control center of our being and the means of our relation to God. So the intellect is involved, but it's much bigger than that. It's the core of who you are, right? It's the control center, the direction, the theme of your life. And here's what makes this little verse even more interesting, right? Because it's a little unfair of me to say to you this morning, you must rethink. Because Paul doesn't say here, renew the spirit of your minds. He doesn't say that. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. It has to happen to you. Right? Here's what I think Paul is saying. He is saying here, you have to be captivated by something. Right. You have to be caught up in the beauty of something. You have to be dazzled to wonder by something so much so that it pulls your life in a direction so much so that it moves you so much so that it becomes the theme of your life. It has to become the music in your life that everything else is tuned to. I think you know what I'm saying. A couple of weeks ago, Jennifer and I went to a concert with some friends and uh Thousands of people there, right? Music blaring out of the speakers. 
And there were times where I'm sitting in the crowd and um, and I caught myself just moving with the rhythm. I mean, I, and that's how I, I caught it happening. It's not like I was thinking about it consciously. It just happened, it, which is pretty scary to admit because I'm not a very good dancer. Um, but at times I did. I caught myself moving. I found myself lost in the music because I was in the music and the music was in me. So here's the question. What is the music? What's the music for Paul? What is that something that pulls you in and captivates you and moves you? For Paul, I think it is the upside downness. I know that's not a word. Upside downness of Christianity. And if you start to think, you know, in keeping with this point, rethink, you see why. You were able to put off the old self and put on the new self because Jesus put off. He set aside glory to put on flesh, right? You notice at the end of verse 21 how Paul, he just uses the name Jesus without saying, without using his title Christ, which is very unusual for Paul. And all the scholars understand that when, when Paul just uses the name of Jesus, what he, he wants to point out and highlight for you is Jesus' humanity, his flesh. Right, when he wants, what he wants you to consider, to think and rethink about is why Jesus put off glory to clothe himself in humanity. He's saying, rethink it, find the rhythm. Why would Jesus do that? So that he could go to the cross in your place, dressed in your sins, to be crucified in your place. Jesus put off and Jesus put on so that you could put off the old self and put on the new self. The gospel does not come to you and say, do this and you will be. It comes and says, this is what has been done for you. So that you could be a new self. And only after that does the word therefore make any sense. You know, in preparing for this sermon, I, I, I'm now realizing why other preachers never preach all these verses at once. Because there's a lot in here, right? Um, they're packed. But let me tell you real quickly why this point is so important for you. Why it's necessary for you to find the upside down music of Jesus' kingdom and work it deep into your heart. We live in a world that is constantly shouting at us that we gain an identity by doing a competitive world where your value and your worth is assessed based on your performance or your reputation or your accomplishment. It's, it's the world of the resume, right? It's, it, you know, what was your ACT score and what were your successes and what are your strengths and all these kind of things. Identity is achieved through performance, wealth, position, beauty, and on and on we could go. When you live in a world that operates on that kind of value system, you have to constantly rethink. You have to constantly hear the music of the gospel so that you are in the music and the music is in you. Okay, finally, and only after we've bathed in verses 17 through 24, remembering and rethinking, are we ready for the last point? You must renew. And when you look, okay, when you look at verses 25 through 32, you see a pattern that's not an accident in these verses. When the truth of what has been done for you, the putting off and the putting on, dawns in you and becomes the theme of your life, look, you actually find yourself beginning to move with the music. 
putting off and putting on. Every little subject in this section that Paul takes up in these verses, it comes with a putting off and a putting on, right? What you should do, should not do, and what you should do. Stop lying, speak truthfully, right? Stop stealing and work and share. Stop, stop being angry and forgive. It's the music. It's the identity being lived out in practice. See, Paul is saying in these verses, let this new identity that you have in Jesus renew absolutely everything in your life. When you realize that your core, your value comes from Jesus and not your performance. Oh, my goodness. It changes everything. Right. You can finally stop lying and speak the truth. You can stop telling all the little white lies that you tell to make a good impression on people and to not disappoint people and gain their approval. You can stop hiding your brokenness. You know, we are born spin masters, right? Manipulating and fabricating in an effort to avoid vulnerability and transparency. Vulnerability and transparency is terrifying in the world of the resume. But in the world of the kingdom, you're free. In the gospel, you're free to speak the truth. Paul even takes this renewal stuff to your anger. He doesn't say, don't be angry, does he? Now, he, he? Paul realizes that your anger needs to be renewed, right? That you should at times be angry. You should be angry at injustice. You should be angry at oppression. You should be angry at sin. You should be furious about it. Something is wrong if you aren't angry about those things. But Paul says in the gospel, anger doesn't have to control you anymore. And a lot of you know what that's like, that anger from things that have ha- has happened have happened 20 years ago. It's controlling you even today. And it, he's saying it doesn't have to take take you. Right. It doesn't have to take you to vengeance anymore and bitterness and hatred. When at the core of your life is the story of of a God who came and he will come again. To completely renew the world and rid it of all evil and injustice and wickedness. When you realize that, that he is coming again to do that, you can be free of your anger. And what's more, when you realize that this story is a story of a God who worked through evil and through injustice and through wickedness at the cross in order to undo it, you become even more free. Why do you steal? Why do you cheat on your expense reports and give, you know, inaccurate accounting of your income and take credit for others' ideas and steal answers on tests, students. Um, In a world that measures identity by performance, you've got to get ahead. You've got to grab and you've got to grasp at what you can. Take even when it doesn't belong to you. But when you are captivated and moved by the rhythm of the upside-down kingdom of Jesus, things change in your life. Right. You no longer have to grasp. You're free of that. The king who through his poverty made you rich, he frees you. He frees you to overflow in generosity to others, to stop stealing and work and work hard and make a lot of money so that you can give it away freely to those in need. You've got to take this music down into your speech. Right. And and by the way, I'm just working down these verses, 25 through 32, the corrupting talk in verse 29, I, I don't think it's so much. He, he's not really talking about cussing or, you know, those kind of things, I, although it may be included. But how do you talk to 
and about others. The rumors, the gossip, the way you run down someone else's character to make yourself look better and more superior. Speech that tears into the hearts of others. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will rip me to shreds and echo. Right, will echo throughout your life long after bones have healed. Are you using your words to bring life, to bring grace, to bring healing, to bring mercy to others? Right? After all, you understand in this good news, your life is healed by words. Right. The gospel, the good news, it's a proclamation and words like forgiven and redeemed and loved and accepted and washed. I mean, they, those words heal us. Are you, what is your speech like? Finally, in verse 31 and 32, I'm going to have to skip over the grieving of the spirit. Verse 30, we'll come back to it another time. But the gospel should be renewing your relationships. When you really begin to work the music of forgiveness into your heart, it transforms your relationships. It replaces bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander with kindness and tenderheartedness and forgiveness. Only when you begin to realize that anyone's sin against you is just a tiny drop in the bucket compared to your offenses against Jesus. And he went to the cross and he was completely undone in your place to forgive you. Only when you see the sins of others in light of that will you freely forgive and practice kindness. Listen, to fully realize and live out what it means to be a new creation, you have to remember. right? You must remember so that your identity is grounded in who you are in Jesus. And you have to rethink, you have to ponder, right? You have to meditate, you have to savor, you have to reflect on the upside down king and his kingdom. And you have to work it out in every corner of your life, every nook and every cranny. It has to get in there and begin to renew and change, change the way you see your money, change the way you see your relationships, change the way you use your speech and your work and everything else. The gospel needs to get worked out in your life. I know you've been very, very patient uh, through a difficult passage to preach, but let me leave you with two final points of application. First, if you go back and look at verses 25 through 32, you'll see that everything Paul mentions in these verses hinge on a community, right? This remembering, this rethinking, this renewing, you cannot do it on your own. Truth to neighbors, sharing with those in need, words of grace, healed relationships. You can't do any of this without a community. So my question to you is, what are you, what are you doing to not simply maintain community with one another? But what are you doing to go deeper into your relationships? Is there a depth to your relationships where this stuff can really be worked out and there is real accountability? And you're not just playing at the surface of people's lives but you're actually deeply involved in each other's lives. That's what's required to live out these verses. It takes a community to remember, to rethink and renew. And finally, you most definitely, to do all of this, you need to hear the voice of Jesus. Nearly every English translation of verse 21 misses the mark when it reads, assuming that you have heard about him, that is Jesus. And they miss the mark because there isn't a preposition in the Greek, right? It, it really reads as if Paul is saying, you Ephesians, 
You heard Jesus himself speak to you directly. And then you start thinking, okay, when did they hear Jesus? Right? Because Jesus never went to Ephesus during his earthly ministry. No, what happened was that this preacher named Paul showed up and proclaimed the gospel to them. And when they heard the gospel preached, Paul is saying they heard Jesus himself. And to this day, this is how Jesus continues his ministry. This is how he, he speaks to you through the preaching of the word. He speaks to his people through the preaching of the word. Are you giving yourself to the preaching of the word? Do you come prepared to hear Jesus speak? Do you come prepared to say, what is Jesus going to say to me today? And how is that going to change my life when I walk out of here? In the preaching of the gospel, Jesus himself is reminding you again and again and again, week after week after week. The kingdom, it doesn't come by merit. It comes by grace. In the preaching of the gospel, Jesus himself reminds you, you that he came to make you new. In the preaching of the gospel, Jesus is your teacher and he is the one teaching you how to rethink, how to get the music deeper in your heart. In the preaching of the gospel, Jesus is calling you and calling me to a renewed life, a life that lines up and matches the beauty and the wonder of the gospel. You must remember, you must rethink, you must renew. It happens in a community and it happens as you hear Jesus through the preached word. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, when we read these verses, Father, we pray that you would work in us in order that we would remember, that we would look back and we would remember the futility of our lives without you at the center. Father, we pray that we would remember who we are because in Jesus we put off the old self and put on the new self. We're not the same and we're not simply made better, not simply made nicer. We've been totally changed in Jesus. A whole new self. Father, would you help us because we desperately, desperately need your help to work this music down into the depths of our hearts in order that our lives would line up with its beauty. Help us to do this, Father, for your glory. May it be lived out in our lives because the world is right to look at Christianity and expect results. We have this powerful gospel that we have been made new in Jesus. Father, we pray that it would be worked out in every corner of our lives for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.